Courage is the ability to do something that frightens others. Now that's what the dictionary tells us. And I believe that this applies. Being courageous requires a deliberate, intentional action. It requires a movement on our part, especially in the face of pain, difficulty, grief, or danger. Now, this does not mean we won't feel feelings of fear when we are facing these types of problems. It just says we'll move forward despite them. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about courage. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's talk about courage. Now in Joshua, the first chapter in the sixth verse, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, why does God tell him this? God tells him this because he has an assignment that he has to accomplish and he does not want fear to be a factor. Yeah, fear is the opposite of courage. Fear causes us, as you know, to tremble. It causes us to become stagnant. It will cause us to say things against the assignment. It will cause us to be stuck, become paralyzed where we can't move our function in the capacity in which we should. Really, uh, fear is the loss or absence of courage. And when we think about courage, Courage is to show ourselves strong, confident, mighty, and bold. Now, God said in this sixth verse of Joshua, the first chapter, that he was going to be the one to lead the children of Israel into the land that he had promised the forefathers to give him. And so he needed him to be strong. So he comes back to him and he says to him in the seventh verse, be strong and very courageous. He wants this courage to grow. He wants him to be intentional in being strong and mighty and bold and confident. Now notice this confidence does not come from his own ability. This confidence or this courage comes from God. Look what God said to Joshua. He said, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Now in the eighth verse, he says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. He says, have I not commanded you? That's verse number nine. Be strong and courageous. Now look at this additional command that God gives Joshua. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
So it's important for us, especially when we're doing the work of God and we've been called to certain capacities, certain assignments to make sure that we're operating in courage, okay? And not the opposite of that, which is fear. But we must be rooted, grounded, anchored, firmly secured in the word of God in order for us to do the work and the assignment in the way and manner that he would have us to do. Now we need courage and we we need the courage to be able to stand up to power, to speak truth to our power. We need the courage to go against the grain. We need the courage that regardless of what other people are doing around us, we're going to stick and remain with what saith the Lord. We need the courage um, to uh, be willing to stand up when you know, we might be uh, chastised, criticized, you know, talked about, but being able to stand positively or firmly, if you will, in the word of God. So we need courage in various aspects and areas of our lives. And so in order to do that, you got to make sure that you have the word of God in your heart. Now, how do you do this? You know, you can get this courage by reading and studying God's word and then definitely obeying God's word. That's the most important thing. And as we exercise, like in the natural, when we exercise, at first it's a little tiring and difficult and we get all sore in our bodies. Well, if you continue doing that, then it gets easier, it gets better. And then those muscles begin to tighten. They begin to get stronger and you begin to see the definitions in your body where you're transforming and changing. Well, it's the same thing with the word of God. When we put the word of God on the inside of us and then we start uh, using it or exercising it in our lives. At first, it may not be easy. It may be, you know, difficult to do, but the more we do it, the better it will be. And then we'll begin to see our lives transforming. We will go from what we knew as old, right? Like we might get angry quickly. Well, now that the word of God is in our, in our hearts and is working in our lives, we're less inclined to get so angry. So that's a muscle of the spirit, you know, that's tightening up and firming up in us, shaping us. We may have been fearful to speak truth or to even let someone know that we worship the one and true God. But now the more you read and study the word of God, oh, that fear has been replaced with boldness. It has been replaced with confidence, right? In our God and his ability to protect, to keep us, to provide for us. Well, I want to share with you just a few examples. I don't know how many, uh, but I'm going to share a few examples of courage in action um, in the Bible. And the first one we're going to go to is Daniel. And we're going to go to Daniel chapter one. 
And I think this was very courageous of Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. If you have read the book of Daniel, um, you know this story. If not, I encourage you to read it, pick it up, open it so you can see. Now, these young men had been brought captive to Babylon and they were put into the king's court and they were ordered, um, well, the king ordered the chief of his courts to um, take care of these young men. Now he picked out the best ones because that was the order. They had to be without any physical defect. They had to be handsome. They had to be smart. They had to be intelligent, right? Because they had to have an aptitude for, for learning, all kinds of learning. They had to be quick to understand um, and qualified to serve in the king's palace because he was going to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now that's a whole nother story. I don't even want to get into that. Well, part of this regimen and, and well, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishaiah, and Azariah, um, they were captured. Their names were changed to Belteshazzar, um, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, these four were assigned to the chief official and he was supposed to take care of them because he was going to have to present them to the king at some point. Well, this is where boldness comes in for me, for Daniel. Daniel, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and with the royal wine. So he asked this official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, what Daniel didn't know is that God had given this official, um, had, had caused this official rather to show favor and sympathy or compassion towards Daniel. But the official was also afraid and he was afraid of the king who had already assigned the type of food and drink that these uh, people or young men were supposed to eat. And so he was afraid that the diet or him not wanting to maintain the diet would cause them to look worse than the other young men. And then the king would, of course, kill him because he didn't take care of them. Well, Daniel requested that he only be given vegetables and water. And he said, test us for 10 days and then at the end of that period, you know, compare us to the others to see if we're healthier and better nourished than them. And of course, the um, official complied. And what we know at the end of this is that Daniel and those three Hebrew boys were in um much better standing. They looked much better than the other men. So this chief official continued the diet. Well, I want to say that it takes courage to resist the temptation to go along with culture or to go along with systems. See where Daniel came from, there was a diet that they adhered to and it was something that he was going to continue even in a foreign land. So for him to speak up to the chief official to say, hey, listen, I'm not going to de uh, defile myself by eating this food. I just want the vegetables and water. That took courage. That 
took strength. Now I want to talk about these other Hebrew boys. Let's go to the third chapter of Daniel. Now everybody's familiar with this particular story where the king had had a dream and then he misinterprets y'all this dream. So he erects this enormous statue and then he comes up with this law that everyone has to bow down to this statue when the music sounds. So everybody is there, including Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, when the music sounded, everyone in the place bowed down in worship. Everyone that is except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow down. See, they were courageous to go against an order that would cause them to uh, violate one of the laws that God said, which is that should have no other God before me. You shouldn't even bow down to any graven image or likeness. So they were willing, they were courageous enough to go against what everyone else was doing. So when this music started playing and everybody was bowing down to this image, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not. They were confronted about it. And even when they were confronted about it, they still stood courageously before the king, before their accusers, and before all of the people there. You know, the king really liked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he wanted to give them another chance. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. So let me tell you about that quickly. See, all this stuff is so good. I just, man, I wish I had more time. Um, so when the king learned that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had not bowed down, they, um, the king said to them, let me turn over here so you will know what he said. He said, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods? I worship the image of gold I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre. Y'all, it was a lot of instruments. I'm not reading all of those. He says, when you hear this music, when you are ready, or if you are ready to fall down and worship the image, I made very good, meaning everything is okay and nothing's going to happen. But then he says, if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now that's the king and that's kind of intimidating. And most people might've been like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and bow down when they uh, play this music. And some of us have done this in life because of the fear that has been thrown at us. We have gone ahead and conceded and accepted certain things based on fear instead of courage. Yeah, okay. But anyway, listen at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said that we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter, King Nebuchadnezzar. In essence, they were saying, we don't even need to respond to that. They say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand. But 
even if he does not. We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Look at the courage to stand firm in faith, despite what's happening in front of you, meaning that there is a fiery furnace. There is the possibility or, you know, more than the possibility, the likelihood of punishment for defying the order. But these men were courageous. And we know the outcome of that. You know, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, but they were not harmed. Their their hair was not cinched. Their clothes didn't even smell like um, they had been in any fire. They didn't have any smoke on them or anything. Uh, So we know God did deliver them out of that fire. Y'all, let's go over to Esther chapter 4. Four. Let's see if I can get to Esther chapter four. And we're going to talk about her courageousness. Now it had, she had to be reminded. And sometimes we too have to be reminded of who we are. Now this story, read Esther, the whole book, but in chapter four, Esther is now the queen. And there is a law Uh, that has been put into effect that would annihilate the Jews. They're just going to go through the land and kill the Jews. But somehow uh, the word of this got to um, Mordecai and Mordecai went to Esther to tell her what was going on. So Esther was kind of resistant, like the the king hasn't called for me in 30 days. I can't go to him. Like she was kind of pushing it off. Like I can't do anything about it. But look at what Mordecai, I believe it's her uncle, reminded her. He reminded her of her identity and told her this. Do not think just because you are in the king's house that you are safe and secure and that you would escape the plan to kill the Jews. No, he had to let her know, boy, you got to have some strong people in your life that's not afraid to speak truth to you too. And you have to be willing to accept this correction. Listen to Mordecai. He said, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So Mordecai, see, because her husband does not know that she's a Jew. That's another thing. Her identity has been hidden. And for many of us, our identities are hidden too. We're in the workplace. We're in our social and civic groups. We're in the marketplace. You know, that people do not know that we are believers, that we are followers of Christ. We are named Christian. I'm talking about real Christians. And so our identities, our identities have been concealed by us. But then Mordecai reminds Esther of her identity. Now look at Esther's reply. 
Esther said, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Y'all better listen to this. Esther was courageous. She was willing to risk her life to speak up for justice or to speak against injustice. She was willing to risk her life to speak up for righteousness. She was in a position in which she, in which she had direct access to the one who was in charge, the one who had power. And she had been placed there by God. He had done this because he knew this was going to happen. So you too, you may be in a position for such a time as this, a time to speak up and speak out for what is right, for what is true. But just like Esther, you may need to be reminded. It takes courage, y'all. It takes courage uh, to stand up for righteousness and truth. Let's look at David and Goliath. Y'all know this story. This is in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. Now, little boy David, he showed great courage when he went up against the giant Goliath. He did so remembering all of the previous battles that he had against a lion and a bear. And I don't know how many lions and bears David had to battle, but David said that whenever the lion or bear would come and take a sheep from the flock, that he went after it. You know, he struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. It almost sounds like David, David was going to let the bear and the lion go on its way after he rescued the sheep. Because then he says when the animal would turn on him, saying like, okay, they're going to turn on him, he would seize them by their hair, strike them, and then kill them. David said he has killed both the lion and the bear. And he said this uncircumcised Philistine, meaning this is one who is not in covenant relationship with the God of Israel, would be one of them, would be just like one of them because he defied the Lord's army. Listen at little boy David. He's standing up. I say he's probably a teenager or something. Uh, and he said that the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. See, David had courage to battle the things that were bigger than him in the natural. Even Saul tried to discount him thinking he was too small. His brothers tried to discount him and even the army. Um, but David had courage. He had the boldness in his heart. He had complete confidence in God that God would make him the victor. We have talked about um, the Hebrew Hebrew boys and how they stood with God. We talked about Daniel, how he trusted God. And we talked about Esther, how Esther was willing to risk it all for her people because of the God and because of her, uh, because of the God that she and her
and her people served. That was her heritage. That was her, her identity. I think I'm going to give you, I'm going to try to get two more in really quick. We're going to look at Judges and we're going to look at Deborah. Now this woman, Deborah, she was a prophet. She was the wife of Lapidoth. Don't you love that name? <laughs> and she was leading Israel. Now, hey, women were leading back in biblical days. Deborah was. So she sent word to Barak saying that the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you to go and take 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. And that God is going to lead Caesarea, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and troops to the Kishon River and give them into your hands. Now, hey, look, this is a guaranteed victory. The word of God has come to Barak saying, go, take 10,000 men. God is going to give you victory over this person called Caesarea. But look at what Barak says. If you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't. Wait, what? <laughs> this word came from God and Barak was telling God, I ain't going. That's a whole nother topic. Anyway, Deborah said to him, listen, um, I'll go with you, but because of your attitude, you will not be honored when Caesarea is defeated. The Lord will, uh, will allow a woman to defeat Caesarea. Look, this woman had to have courage. She had to have courage to lead people. Now, this was during the time of the judges, and they were doing whatever they wanted to do. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. But she had to have the courage to speak God's word. She had to have the courage to stand up against this man or to this man. Now, let's look at Peter. I think I got a few more minutes. Peter in Matthew chapter 14. Now, Peter had the courage to step out on faith when others were still standing in fear. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the walking on the water episode. Come on, y'all. It was in the midst of a storm, and we could say in a difficult time, that Peter did something that was extremely courageous. He got out of the boat when there were winds tossing back and forth against it. Now, Jesus had sent the disciples ahead of him after feeding the multitude, that was the 5,000, not counting the women and the children, while he prayed on the mountain. Now, they had gone a considerable distance and their boat was being tossed around by the waves. They were bearing this storm, y'all. They were bearing the brunts of the winds and the waves. Just before dawn, though, Jesus went out to them and he was walking on this water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, not of the storm, but they were terrified of the sight that they saw. So they began to cry out in fear. It's a ghost. And y'all know we don't blame them because we've never seen anybody walking on water or doing stuff like that, walking on the air. That would probably cause us to be a little uh, intimidated or fearful. But Jesus spoke immediately and said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. So look, Jesus tried to reassure them. Look at old Peter. This is in verse 27. Peter, upon hearing the words of Jesus, he said, okay, well, since it's you, 
then tell me to come. That says to me, now I know the Bible says, if um, it's you, then tell me to come. It says to me that Peter knows something about Jesus. Like Jesus has the authority to give them the power to do impossible things. Peter had the courage to even ask, if you will, to do something that's impossible. And so Jesus said, come. Now Peter got out of the boat walked on the water and he came to Jesus. Peter was courageous because he went against the climate. He went against that climate of fear. He went against what um, the others were feeling and he took on courage to do something no one else in his company was willing to try, much less do, okay? Now we know he took his eyes off Jesus. That's why we got to stay with our eyes focused on Jesus. And he began to sink because Jesus said to him when he started sinking, you know, Jesus talking, I mean, Peter said, help me. And Jesus said, why, why did you die? Why did you fear? So Jesus is letting us know, even with Peter's situation, that we need to take on courage. Y'all, we are living in a day and time where courage should be in our hearts and not fear. There are messages of fear that are just uh, being, um, I wanna use the word paraded for lack of a better word right now, but it, that's what we're hearing all of the time. So we've got to take on courage, otherwise, Fear will have us stuck. It will have us in a state of uh, paralyzation. It will have us trembling and we won't be able to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish. Listen, be encouraged. God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. Then he said, be strong and very courageous. Father, we thank you that you didn't give us the spirit of fear, but you've given us power, love, and a sound mind. Help us today to be courageous, to be very courageous. Oh, I thank you, Lord. All right, y'all. This has been your daily dose. Remember, a daily dose of God's word is good for the soul. Be blessed.